This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. He is so good. We see his goodness so clearly in the, the book of Isaiah. We've been walking through this book as a church. And today we come to chapter 43, and we are looking at some precious promises of God today. Isaiah chapter 43, precious promises of God. Let's look at it together. If you'll take your copy of God's word and follow along, we'll begin with verse 1. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. And the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior, I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory. I have formed them, indeed I have made them. Go to verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Father, we thank you for your precious promises. And we pray that you would make us a people who would Take your promises deep within our hearts and internalize them and that they would come out in our living, through our lives, and through our lips as we share them with people around us. Lord, bless us now by the power of your spirit as we look at them together and we pray that in these next minutes together that you would do your wonderful supernatural work in lives for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of my uh, pastor heroes is Adrian Rogers. And uh, Dr. Rogers used to tell a story that happened when he was a young pastor. And he had accepted a call to go to a particular church. He'd given them his word that he was coming. And he got a phone call from the, the chairman of the pastor search committee from a, a very prestigious church and they were interested in him and 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 so as this guy is talking to to him on the phone he's talking about all you know the great things about this prestigious church Dr. Rogers said it was as if God had put four words that were running like a script in front of my eyes and the four words were this is a test It was a test of his integrity. 
would he be a man of his, of his word and maintain his commitment to this, this church? Well, what we've seen in Isaiah is that God had tested his people. He had tested Judah, and they had flunked the test. And his test was this. Are you going to trust me for protection and provision, or are you going to run after, you know, political alliances and false gods and all these things and trust those things for your provision and protection? Well, unfortunately, that they chose the latter. Uh, they had run after the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the northern kingdom and false gods and trusted in all of them for their protection. They had trusted in everybody but God. And because of that, they were invaded by the Babylonians and they were sent into exile. But God is a God of restoration. God is a God of forgiveness. And so what we're seeing here in chapter 43 is that God is speaking to his people in exile. And he is giving them promises. He knows they're discouraged. And, he, and, he, and so what he's doing here in chapter 43 is he is giving, giving his people precious promises that they can cling to during their exile. You and I also are exiles. The New Testament refers to us that way several times. We are, we are, we are not home. This world that we're living in is not home. We are sojourners here. We are pilgrims here. We are exiles here. And how we need to cling to the precious promises of God. And we're going to look at five of them today from this chapter. The first one is, he knows your name. He knows your name. Verse one. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Earlier we sang that great song. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. But what if the one whose name is a strong and mighty tower and a shelter like no other, what if that one has become your father? And that's reality for you as a believer. And and he says of you in verse 4, you are precious in my sight. He loves you as a child. You know, my dad was the strongest person that I ever knew. He was not only physically strong, but he was spiritually strong. He was strong in in every way. Um... He, uh, he had, had, had been through some things in his life. He'd been through war and combat. He'd been through a very, very difficult childhood and, and had just seen God's faithfulness all the way through. And he just wasn't intimidated by anything or anyone. He feared no man. But this strong figure was so tender with his kids and he 
he would literally do anything to help us. He would, he would if, if I had a need or my sister had a need, he would move heaven and earth if he could to help us. And it's a blessing to have an earthly father like that. But whether you have had an earthly father like that or not, if you're in Christ, you have a heavenly father who is Lord of heaven and earth. You have a heavenly father who is omnipotent, who possesses all power. He is omniscient. He knows everything, including everything about you and including every need that you have in your life, big or small. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 29 through 31, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Listen, you are royalty. If you're in Christ, you are a son or daughter of the king. You are royalty. Do we deserve this? Of course not. As Ray Ortland says, what matters most about you is not what you deserve, but whose you are. He knows your name. Second, he's with you. He's with you. Verse two, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, and the flame will not burn you. Now notice the realism here. The Bible is so realistic. In this, in this fallen world, we're going to go through hard times. We're going to walk through some storms. We're going to walk through some fires in this life. The promise is that you will not walk through them alone when you know the Lord. Now, Jesus has already walked through the worst storm on your behalf. He's taken the storm of your sin upon himself. Jesus has already walked through the, the fire of the cross for you. And he's going to be with you through any fire that you go through in your life. I think about the book of Daniel, which was written to people who were in the Babylonian exile, just like Isaiah 43. Daniel was written to, a, to, to exiles. Three of those Three of those Hebrews who were in exile in Babylon were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel 3 tells their story. They refused to bow down and worship the king's idol. And so he threw them into a fiery furnace. It was a furnace that was so hot that the people that the king appointed to take them up and throw them in the furnace were incinerated just getting near the furnace. They threw these three young guys in, King Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, looks into the furnace, and he didn't just see three guys in there, he saw a fourth that were in there. <laughs> and Nebuchadnezzar said, there are, there are four men walking around in the furnace, and they're unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods, <laughs> more like the son of the God. 
And Jesus will be right there in any fire that you face in life as well. You know, it's often said that the command to fear not is the most frequent in the Bible. That's true. But when you see that, whenever you see these commands, do not be afraid, fear not, it's, it's almost always linked to a promise of God's presence. In other words, the reason that we should fear not is because he's with us. Oh, I love Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, part of the Chronicles of Narnia, where the lion, Aslan, is the Christ figure. In the voyage of the Dawn Treader, um, two of the children, Lucy and her brother Edmund, and their cousin Eustace, go on a a voyage. And at one point, the voyage just just takes them into a, a, a dark and scary place on the sea. And, and Lucy just prays to, to, to Aslan, 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 if you ever loved us, please help us now. And it was then that she saw a ray of light coming down, and in that ray of light, something that looked like a cross. And the, it was an albatross, and the albatross circled the ship three times and then landed on the mast and then took flight and led their ship out of, the, out of the darkness into the light. But what no one knew but Lucy was that as the albatross landed on the mast, it whispered, take courage, dear heart. And the voice was Aslan's. He was with them all the way. And he's with you. He's with you. Third promise, you were made for his glory. You were made for his glory. Verses six and seven. God says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory. I have formed them, indeed I have made them. Now originally, this was a promise to these exiles that God was gonna bring them home. He was going to bring them from all over. He's going to bring them back to the land. And although we are in exile in this fallen world, we've got a promise too that God's going to bring us to the ultimate promised land. And until then, we are on a mission. We are formed for his glory. We are made for his glory. We are to live for his glory. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, God's a, God's a big part of my life. Christ is, a, Christ is a, a big part of my life. It's almost like saying, you know, I've, 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 I've given God a supporting role in my, in, in my story. We need to flip-flop that. <laughs> No, no, God, God saves us and he sweeps us up and, and, and he sweeps us up into his story. And it's a story of redemption. It's a, it's a story of rescue. He saves us and then he sweeps us up into his plan to see other people rescued. We're created for his glory. 
Psalm 115 and verse 1 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. In the summer of 1945, as American service members were streaming back into the United States after the end of World War II, one of those American soldiers who was coming home was the Yankee center fielder Joe DiMaggio, the biggest sports, uh, sports figure in the world at that point. And in the summer of 1945, he wasn't yet back on the field. And so one day, he decided, Joe DiMaggio decided to be an average Joe <laughs> and just go to Yankee Stadium and sit in the stands and watch a ball game. <laughs> and so he took his four-year-old son, Joe Jr., with him. And so they're sitting there just watching the game. And of course, somebody recognizes Joe DiMaggio. And pretty soon another person recognizes him. The whole section knows that he's there. And they all began to chant the words of a popular song that had come out in the summer of 1941 when Joe DiMaggio was on a 56-game hitting streak. There was a popular song, that, and it went like this, Joe, Joe DiMaggio, and, and the whole section was just chanting uh, his name. And, and DiMaggio looked down at his little boy just to see his reaction, and Joe Jr. looked up at his dad, and he said, listen, Dad, they all know who I am. <laughs> well, he was making the innocent mistake of a four-year-old and thinking that all the glory in Yankee Stadium was about him that day. We make a far less innocent mistake when we, we think that life is about us and our glory and not about God and his. No, every part of our lives is to be leveraged for his glory. 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 19 and 20 Say, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm a careful driver, but when I've got somebody, I'm driving somebody else's car, a friend's car, I'm really careful. It's not my property. I don't want to return it with a dent or any kind of blemish. Our bodies are not our own, right? Your, your, your brain, your eyes, your mouth, your arms, your legs, like no part of us is really our own. Nothing that we have, like your money, your time, like all of that, all of these things are to be leveraged for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. You were made for his glory. The fourth promise, your past is under the blood. Your past is under the blood. Now we just saw in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that you, you were not your own, you were bought with a, at a price. What price is that? It's the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. His blood purchased our forgiveness, 
our atonement and purchased new life for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. So what do we see here in Isaiah 43 and, and verses 18 and 19? Look at these verses. God says, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. But the first thing that he says here in verse 18 is that before you can embrace the new thing that God is doing, you've got to You've got to forget the past. You've got to move on from your past. There are so many believers who live their lives with a low-grade sense of shame. They, they just they walk through life with just just kind of a con, it's just constantly there kind of a kind of a low grade uh, sense of of shame and self condemnation over junk in their past over sins in their past brother sister that's not the way God wants you to live Romans eight one says therefore there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, listen, Jesus took the condemnation that we deserve on the cross. Jesus didn't take the condemnation that you deserve on the cross for you to live in a sense of self-condemnation. When we do that, we're making light of what our Savior accomplished for us on the cross. He wants you to live like someone who's forgiven and free, because that's what he did for you. Paul says in Philippians 3 and verses 12 and, and following, not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Should we learn from the sins and mistakes of our past? Of course, yes. But, but we don't live there, right? We don't live there. We do not wallow in our past. God's doing a new thing. Your future is beautiful. That's the fifth promise. Your future is beautiful. Again, look at verses 18 and 19. Do you not remember the past events? Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. God says, you've been through some dry times. <laughs> You've been through some deserts, and some of them were deserts of your own making. 
That was the case with, with these exiles, right? Why were they in exile? They, it was because of their own choices, right? And a lot of times we're, we're in deserts of our own making. But God says, look, I want, I'm going to do something new. Let's forget about that. I am about forgiveness. I am about restoration. I'm about new beginnings. You see, our trajectory as believers is, is always and only upward. <laughs> it only gets better. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In this life, we have Christ. Because of the work of Christ, we are forgiven and free. We have been adopted as sons and daughters of the king. We've got all these promises. God is with us every second. He knows your name. Like, we've got all these things in this life. We've got a purpose in life. We're to live for his glory. Your past is under the blood of Jesus. There's a new beginning in him. We've got all these things in this life and all the blessings that come with knowing the Lord and we get foretaste, right? We get, we get whispers, we get glimmers of what's to come in the, in the good things that God gives us in this life. But those things are just, they're just like beams and, and, and God is the sun. It only gets better. I love what J.I. Packer says. Hearts on earth say in the course of a joyful experience, I don't want this ever to end, but it invariably does. Hearts in heaven say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. There can be no better news than this. And see, the knowledge of the beautiful future that God has for us, that that knowledge of what is coming should color our lives in the present as we live as people with surging hope. And we share that hope with those around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious promises. Help us to be a people who know your promises and take them deep within our hearts and meditate on them and live in the truth of them and make us a people who share your promises. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray.
You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.